0: Hi, Stephen. You have a call today with Teen.
1: So, hi, everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning in to this new episode of my podcast. I'm very honored and very happy that I have Teen Zhu here with me. He is one of the world leading thinkers in the area of the subscription economy. He was one of the first employees at Salesforce, uh, was the first CMO and the first chief strategy officer at Salesforce, and then he started his own company, Zora, which is an enterprise software company that facilitates the subscription economy and subscription business. Thanks for being here, team.
0: Of course, my pleasure. Good to be here, Steven.
1: Well, um, let's, let's dive into the action. We, there's, there's been a lot of conversation about the subscription economy. Um, we've seen many, many examples, but sometimes I have the feeling now that people know how it works, and that they have a number of subscriptions. Um, but many people ask me, do you really think it's going to be like the standard in our day to day life? Or is it just going to be something on the side that we do for certain, you know, services? Or is this going to be the core of the economy in the future? What, what's your opinion on that?
0: Well, our, our opinion is definitely strong. We think this is, is going to be the core of the economy and everything is going to go this way. And I understand, you know, this, this sounds like a, a, a big leap, um, but it was a big leap that we had to take to start our company. And so you, you mentioned I was at Salesforce.com and it was 2007. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and honestly, the world had not yet adopted a SaaS first or a cloud first strategy. We can see it happening. We can see that once people tasted what software as a service felt like, that they weren't going to go back and, and, and say, you know, I still want to go and buy those servers and buy the databases and deal with the hassles. The IT organization really talked about, you know, how so much of the IT spend was just going to, you know, quote unquote, keep the lights on. Right. And, and, and software right. as a service really, really eliminated uh, so much of that. And so we asked ourselves, is, is, is this something that's just specific to software? And mm-hmm. we looked at early, early examples. And so we're all used to, to ride-sharing services, car-sharing services, Uber, Lyft, blah, blah, car. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in, in 2007, in the U.S., there was a service called Zipcar, where instead of buying a car, say, if you lived in San Francisco or New York or, or in, a, in a college campus, uh, there's no reason to buy a car. You just walk up to one of these cars, you swipe a card that you were given, and you drive off. And, and you simply pay based on how many miles and how many hours that you use the car. And so, so we can see that that other examples of of situations where if somebody said, you know, let me release you from the burden of having to own the product, let me give you the outcome that you're looking for, which is watching movies or reading news or getting from point A to point B that that it was just a much better model and there was no reason that that this can't happen and you know, fast forward to 2019 we're all used to you know dealing with subscriptions you know, for software whether it's adobe or google or salesforce we're all used to dealing with subscriptions for videos and movies and shows and music and news um but th- what we're seeing is is the internet of things is going to create a wave of new services as every single product, you know, whether it's cars or or, or dishwashers or or bicycles, or, or, or you know, million dollar medical scanners, they're all being connected to the internet and they're all transforming mm-hmm. from 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 products into services. And so this we're just we're just at the tip of the iceberg.
1: And, and do you think like when, when everything is connected with the, with the internet that one of the consequences could be that we arrive in some sort of an age of automated buying where consumers just get a subscription to their, let's say the routine kind of products that you need in your household every week or every month and that in some sort of an automated way that just arrives at your doorstep and, and as a consumer you're not even involved in that decision making process anymore? Do you see it to go that far?
0: Well, I, I think when you go into this journey from to subscriptions, and, and and we certainly have, and we work with so many companies around the world, whether it's it's it's, it's Ford or SNCF or or Dazon, um, it really breaks a lot of it really challenges a lot of assumptions that you have, right? And so, if you just look at the music industry, it used to be about sending out DVDs or CDs, and there were certainly companies mm-hmm. that would send you a CD a month. Right In right. Netflix, they would send you two or three CDs. There were, there were things like Book of the Month Club or Columbia House in, in, in the US. They would send you uh, a, a CD every month to look at. And, and so, right. but if you look at today in streaming, it's not about a movie anymore. It's about watching anything. It's about discovering. It's about seeing what other people like. And, um, and so it's a much, much richer environment that was created that just didn't exist before. And so whether you're talking about, about, about diapers or, 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 or toothbrushes, there's something more that can happen when, when these things are now connected to the internet. And, and we're still anchored on, well, am I, I going to get my product on time versus mm-hmm. thinking about, hey, am I going to have a selection of food that I want to eat, right? Am I going to have everything that I need for clean clothes? Right. Am I going to be able to 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 perform my morning routine, whatever it happens to be? Mm-hmm. Right. And there's going to be a system yeah. that has physical products in it, certainly. But there's going to be a system that takes care of these things at a, 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 a higher level. Um, so just to give you an example, we'll pick an example from the industrial space. Uh, these big tractor companies like Caterpillar, okay. Kamatsu. Right. They're realizing it's not about, you know, giving you access to the tractor. It's about moving dirt. And so, so why don't I deliver mm-hmm. service that allows you to move dirt? And what do I charge you based on how many metric tons of dirt that you want to move and how soon do you want it moved? Right. And so there's always a, a you know, it's not about the car. It's about getting from point A to point B. It's not about news. It's about right. understanding what's going on in the world, right? It's not about shows or music. It's about entertainment.
1: Right. But the end conclusion is that we're seeing the end of the product era, right? That- Single products will be no longer successful, and we're moving into a service and consumer value kind of proposition. Is that correct?
0: Well, what we think is exciting is you know the world, GDP is, 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 is estimated to be about $90 trillion. And that's $90 trillion that's up for grabs now. Because if your needs used uh-huh. to be fulfilled <laughs> by you buying a product, and now your needs are fulfilled by a service that takes the time out to understand what you really want. Right. takes the time to, to mm-hmm. personalize the service to your, your, your individual needs and is always getting better and better. Right. These services continue to yeah. get enhanced. And, um, you know, the, 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 certainly again, there's physical products in the mix. Right. But, but it starts to recede into the background. as just, it's just fulfillment of the services that you're actually looking for
1: okay and and do you think that this will be a kind of economy where the big platform companies like like amazon and and google or or tencent and alibaba and other big platform players that they will play a crucial role in in facilitating this or do you rather see let's say a an enormous amount of smaller players that can offer you specific services what, what what's your thought on that
0: I, I think the market is vast. And, um, and I think, you know, certainly we talk a lot about Amazon, but if you look at Amazon's strength, you go around the world, you go to individual countries, and oftentimes Amazon is not the dominant player, right? Whether it's South America, whether it's Japan, whether it's India, there, there are other e-commerce vendors. I think there are certainly yeah. some parts of things that, 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 um, um, or benefit from scale. So if you look at Amazon, right, put aside AWS for a second, just look at their core e-commerce business, uh, their logistics. Logistics right. is, is something that seems to uh, require scale to, uh, to do well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you know, it makes more sense for some company or a few set of companies to do it at scale and for all of us to benefit. But the idea that Amazon is going to meet all your needs, I mean, that, that's, that, that's, that, that's preposterous, right? I mean, there's so many other Brands and services that that we all use, and and what you're seeing in the video streaming space, it's it's not one vendor, right? I you know, Mm -hmm. I used to pay you know in the U.S. here 100 150 for one cable company to give me a thousand channels that I don't watch, right? Now I can pick and choose, and I can spend my money more wisely. I mean, but I'll sign up for HBO, and I'll sign up for Hulu, right? right? I'll sign up for DAZN. Uh, and I'll sign up for ESPN and, and I'll pick and choose the ones that I want and, and craft the services that are customized to my needs
1: mm-hmm. well, One of the ob- observations that I have is that in in the early stage of of uh, certain subscription markets is that it started as a monopoly, like Netflix was, was maybe the monopoly in offering uh, streaming video entertainment, but now, as you mentioned, you've got Hulu, Disney Plus is, is getting out there, uh, a- Apple is, is almost giving its, its streaming content away for free. So it's, it's starting to become really, really competitive in, in this space. I would assume that that would happen in other markets as well once people see the potential that, we, uh, that, that you can develop in, in a certain area.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call uh, Netflix a monopoly, right? A monopoly means that you've got extreme power that protects what you have. I think they were just the first out of the gate and built uh, the biggest company. Okay. But you're exactly right. It's uh, okay. there was no reason that that uh, that other companies couldn't get into the same situation. There's no reason that other companies can't also spend money on great shows, and uh, and you see, you know, the people that actually own the content creation traditionally companies like Disney, companies like ESPN. Uh, are saying, gosh, I mean, we own the content, right? And, and there's nothing to stop us from, from setting up our own distribution, our own streaming services. I think you, you have the same thing with, mm-hmm. with cars. I think people are assuming that, hey, Uber and Uber-like services will win out in the end. Um, but the, 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 the car companies and we work, you know, full disclaimer, we work with seven of the top 10 car manufacturers around the world on their connected car strategies, but uh, they do own the cars and, and they do have manufacturing mm-hmm. strength at, at, at scale and they know how to create quality products and they know how to innovate and they know how to do it at scale. And, um, and so it's not clear from a five to 10 year perspective, is it, is it the people that own the cars that have the strength or is it people that own the brand that, uh, uh, in in, 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 the services, right? There's nothing to stop the car companies from creating similar services. If that's, is that's what they choose to mm-hmm. do.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I the, the fact that you mentioned the power of the brand, I think it's an interesting one. In, in my opinion, the fact that Disney owns brands like Marvel, like Disney, like Pixar, like Star Wars is probably going to be the success of... Disney Plus. And if you look at it, Netflix is a strong brand by itself, but the content itself doesn't have the same appeal. I, I mean, I've, I've hardly ever seen someone walk around with a house of cards t-shirt versus the, the zillion people that wear Disney stuff just shows how strong those those brands are and how strongly people identify them with them. So I think the what we're starting to see now is that it's, it's more than an offering, it's more than an interface, but brands get added to the equation, which makes it far more appealing for, for an average consumer.
0: I, I think brands continue to have a, a, a huge value. And um, maybe if I could take a second to plug the book, we have a book actually called Subscribed that, that, that talks about mm-hmm. this transformation in the first half of the book. Uh, it really talks about how you've seen every industry transform as it goes from products to services. So we talk about retailing, we talk about manufacturing, we even talk about technology and transportation. And the second half of the book really talks about how, how every function inside of a company has to change. And, and certainly we, in, in the chapter of marketing, we talk about brand continues to be important, but where before the brand, the goal of the brand was to get you to buy the product, now the brand has to be built into the experience of the service right? Does the service fulfill the brand promise? If it does, you'll start to see a flywheel where consumers will continue to consume the service and use the service. If it doesn't, uh, they'll walk away, right? They'll walk away and, 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 you can spend all the money you want in marketing and, and all the money you want in Super Bowl ads, uh, but you're not going to get actually get that customer.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, you see how some brands are, I think, struggling with it or are uncertain or, or I don't know how to how to put it. You know, I was fascinated by the fact that BMW and Daimler, that they are working together, that they started a new company together, a joint venture to go into the ride-sharing service business. But I was thinking, I mean, this is BMW and, and Daimler. These are two of the most leading car brands in the world. These guys have a legacy of more than 100 years. They have a lot of resources and still they they bundle forces how did you look at that
0: well I, I think when you see bmw and daimler you know collaborate then then obviously there's a common enemy and that enemy is uber all right that enemy mm-hmm. is, is the ride-sharing services and uh, and we're seeing the car companies really you know um, um and this is this is praise for the car companies they're, they're not sitting still and they're are vast organizations with with an incredible amount of resources, and they're trying a lot of things. And um, and mm-hmm. so you see these brands, right? BMW has has a service out there where you can you can you can subscribe to BMWs in a way that goes beyond just leasing. Uh, You're seeing Toyota do the same thing. You're seeing Volvo do the same thing. You're seeing, gosh, if it's if it's ride sharing, um, it, is that a network that transcends all of us? Right. And, um, you know, very, very similar to how the media companies came together and established something like Hulu. right. Uh, Which is, okay. we need a brand that actually transcends um, our individual brands. Right. Or a service that transcends or integrates our individual brands. And and how do we do that? You're also seeing them, you know, play around with 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 bicycle sharing, um, you know, uh, commuting services like vans. Uh, parking mobility services. Uh, and then you're seeing a lot of innovation in the car itself. And what some companies are realizing is, is the car is kind of like a phone, except it's hard to steal. And it's, it's, it's a very heavy phone. <laughs> and, um, and you know, why can't the, 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 the car actually do the authentication for payments just like the phone can't, why can't you just drive up to a gas station, fill up your car, fill up your tank and uh and there's an nfc right you know handshake between the car and the gas station you simply drive off um, versus your phone in the gas pump and and these Mm -hmm. things are all possible today and and you're seeing a lot of these innovations really starting to happen
1: okay if if, i i think if you look at the model of, of the go to market model of most subscription companies, they start their service, they're going in as aggressively as possible to get their recurring revenues from people that subscribe to their service. What, what is the, the secret to, to loyalty in this business? Is that different than in any other industry or any other economical model?
0: Well, we, we like to joke that when we ever hear about uh, the word loyalty programs, that tells us an organization. Yeah. It's still a very siloed organization. And what you find is when mm-hmm. when you have to do this transformation from products to services, it changes so many parts of what you're doing. The other really important thing is those parts need to be coordinated. And so only companies that are able to break down the functional silos within their organizations are actually able to execute this transformation. And so when we see a, pro, a company launch a loyalty program, that tells us the silos exist. And that tells us the CEO probably went to the marketing department and said, give me some of this subscription stuff. And the marketing department has no ability to change the product, has no ability to change the pricing or the sales organization, the distribution channels. And so the only thing that they can do is to stay within their marketing lane and they launch a loyalty program to try to, 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 to create customer loyalty by paying them. Essentially, I'll give you a discount if you buy my product again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's not transformation, yeah. right? That, that is just giving up money. Um, you know, Netflix doesn't talk about loyalty programs. Netflix talks about engagement and they talk about adoption and they talk about churn, Uber versus Lyft. How often are they watching movies? How many articles do they mm-hmm. read in, 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 a week? And and that level of engagement tells you, am I providing the right service and is it delir- delivering value? Right. And that ultimately will translate right. into, into statistics like churn statistics. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. you want to fulfill on, right? The the loyalty feels like an artificial conversation to say, well, let me, let me reward loyalty, right? But without actually driving value and engagement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The, the challenge that I see for, for many companies, um, as you mentioned, you got the siloed approach, but also my feeling is that, um, to, to, measure and act upon the kind of engagement that you mentioned and to to connect, you know, the, to, to really understand how consumers are using your services and, and act upon that, you need quite some data capabilities. And I still see a lot of companies that are from more traditional industries that tend to suffer with that approach. Do, do you have examples of companies, um, let's say that we're building the analog world that are now really transformational and that really understand what this is about and are successful with this, uh, with this new business line.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, would say this, I would say any company that's at scale, you know, half a billion, a billion, 10 billion, 50 billion, uh, the idea that they're not data intensive data rich is, is a little silly, right? They, they, they wouldn't have become the companies they are without data. All right. Now their data probably is all around quality right efficiency um um is the product getting to the shelf on time is the product coming through the assembly on time what are the defect rates of the cars right and i'm sure they're they're they're, they're data rich but what they're finding now okay. is is they're 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 collecting data on their customers and so the data is not necessarily just about products but it's about customers and if you just look at physical products one big reason they're realizing that now is because their products are now smart they, they have sensors, they're collecting all sorts of data, and they're putting into a cloud service. And so I'll, I'll, I'll give an extreme example. Uh, there's, there are companies that sell ball bearings. And these are little metal mm-hmm. balls, right, that go into big machinery, big equipment, or small equipment. Okay. And uh, there's a company out there that actually has 2 million uh, smart ball bearings. And so these are metal balls that detect load, detect vibration patterns, and all sorts of data. And, and it's, it's a low, va- low power design. And so it's able to broadcast the data it's collecting over short distances. And so you hold the device up near one of these ball bearings and it starts to collect data. And then it sends the data to the cloud. And now this has been going on in all sorts of things, right? Caterpillar has 2 million physical assets in the field and roughly 75% of them are already connected to the internet collecting all this data. Every single car coming off the assembly line, you know, every single 2020 model uh, has an internet connection and and the cars have always collected all sorts of data. Um you know every medical device is like this if you buy a water heater for your house chances mm-hmm. are you control it on your phone. And and so the whole physical products world is being revolutionized. Now going back to the ball bearings example or the car example, now all of a sudden they can actually see what's going on. Right a Caterpillar can actually see how their tractors are being used and who's actually using them. And actually measuring, did the customer using my, my tractor, did they get the outcome that they're looking for? And these things are all possible now. And, and so, so, you know, there's an explosion. And of course, you know, technologies, cloud computing, big data is, 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 is allowing them to store all these things. Imagine every single car collecting the data and, and, and you know, the engineers can actually see how cars are being driven. And so, um, so that explosion of data is, 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 I would say, blowing their minds right now. And, and it's mm-hmm. giving them uh, a view into their customers and our customers are using their products and, and, and what the customers are actually trying to do. That's uh, that's been pretty, pretty eye opening for them.
1: Very cool. Maybe maybe one last uh, topic that I would like to talk about. When I uh, went on Facebook today, I got an advertisement from your uh, from your company, Zora, and it uh, it mentioned that the subscription economy is growing faster now. in. Europe than in the U.S. Um, I got a lot of listeners from, uh, from Europe. I'm from Belgium myself, and I would sometimes have the perception that it's the other way around. So if you could say something about the, the evolution about, of subscription economy in Europe, that would be wonderful.
0: Yeah, there's a narrative um, that so many of us have that, that technology starts in the U.S., and starts in Silicon Valley and then permeates throughout the world. And I think every day that passes that that that's becoming less true. And when we look at what are the drivers of subscription services, um, it's not necessarily true that that they're all disruptive services from Silicon Valley, like 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 the Ubers of the world. I I think it's not clear whether it's you're better off creating a new company to acquire all the customers that say Disney or Ford have or you, or Ford or Disney or Toyota or BMW says, look, we have the most customers and our job is to, is to, is to transform our customers into subscribers, right? To not force them to buy Mm -hmm. products, deliver, you know, deliver our value, our innovation through services that they can consume uh, more easily. That's more adapted to, to, to their specific needs. And, and so what we're seeing is, um, is, is the, the shift to subscription is about disruption, but it can come from, you know, startups, brand new companies, or it can come from existing companies. And, um, and when we look at it that way, you can see why we're just seeing tremendous progress in adoption in, in Europe. And in many ways, the European companies, uh, existing, you know, incumbent companies are, are, are just very innovative and they, they 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 do move very quickly. I know that's not our standard perception. Um, but mm-hmm. when when your products can 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 all be collecting data, you know, when when you it's so easy to throw up software in in cloud-based services to collect the data, right? There's a, there is a regulatory framework in, in in Europe that that at least makes things black and white and so you know how to follow these regulatory, you know, frameworks and and, and you can move fast without fear of that you're going to get in the way with future laws that have yet to be created. Right. And, um, -hmm. and so we're just seeing an enormous amount of innovation, probably, you know, 30% of our business is already outside of North America, which is uh, a fairly good company of our, our, our size and history
1: yeah absolutely. And it's an interesting perspective because in Europe we're sometimes frustrated that we don't really have our own big digital platforms like we see in Silicon Valley or in China. But you're saying like you know the the total innovative power of the of the incumbents from different industries over here you know can can compensate for that. and uh, I think that's that's a very interesting perspective for Europeans to look at it. we don't We don't tend to look at it like that, so that's really, really cool.
0: Yeah, we've got a great case study with SNCF, obviously the, uh, the, the, the French rail system. And what <laughs> they realized was there was a generation of teenager students that, um, that were not taking the French rail system to go from city to city. They were using blah, blah, car. And so, so they had never yeah. experienced what it's like to take the trains. And, and so <laughs> they, they launched, you know, we helped them um, launch quickly. Um, a service, I think it's 79 euros uh, a month and and unlimited rides between cities and uh, targeted specifically at students. And and it wasn't clear whether it was going to work or not, which is why having a fast platform to launch something quickly and try it out and see the results is important. For this case, it it, it worked really, really well. Um, 100,000 students um, signed up for it pretty quickly. And so you can see here mm-hmm. is a but gosh, this organization is probably over hundred years old. It's probably 140, 150 years old, actually taking market yeah. share away from a disruptive startup, right? Blah, blah, car. And, and I, think, I think this is the new economy. And this is why we say, hey, $90 trillion in, in the world GDP is up for grabs. And you can see that in just this one example of transportation, intercity transportation between existing incumbent railroads and brand new ride-sharing mm-hmm. services.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And and I, I think we do focus too much on, on the pure new starting companies. And as you mentioned, Amazon, we talk about it the entire time, but they're Relatively small on the other hand as well they're only active in seven countries in the world so there's there are many opportunities out there and i think the key challenge is to to figure out as an organization how you can be truly transformational and really change the core of your offering to to customers and create this new kind of customer experience that will be you know adapted to the to the world of iot and and um, technology that is that is available for us now so um i would i would like to thank you for this conversation, uh, Tina. It was an, a pleasure and honor to have you in my podcast. So thank you very, very much for being here.
0: Absolutely. My pleasure, Stephen.